So if I haven't met you, my name's Sean, uh, again, one of the pastors here, and excited to be here as we're in this We Are the Church series, and tonight what we're talking about is teaching and preaching. So why do we, uh, when we gather together uh, as the church, as the body of Christ, why do we teach, why do we preach, why do we study the Bible? And that's kind of what we're answering this, uh, this, this evening. So three questions, or sorry, three reasons why we teach and preach the Bible, and here's what they are. To build up the body of Christ, to equip the church, and to evangelize. So we, as we gather together as the body of Christ, we teach to build up the body of Christ, to equip the church, and to evangelize. So that's what we're going to talk through. We're going to go through each one of those, go through a couple passages, and then you guys can go into your discussion groups. Um, but before we do that, let me pray for us, okay? Uh, Father God, thank you so much um, for this evening, and I pray that you would just speak through your word, and even as we'll, we'll study today, that, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us, that you'd convict us, that you'd correct us through your word, and that you'd use it to build us up, uh, to equip us, and to help us share our faith. We pray that all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first point, to build up the body of Christ. And this comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 7. So really short verse. Part of the reason why we're talking about this is because this is what we've been studying on Sunday mornings. We've been going through 1 Corinthians. And this is what it says. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so this is a kind of a short point, but it's, it's really foundational to understand why we teach, why we study the Bible when we gather together. Uh, but this is what it's talking about. If you are a follower of Jesus... If you've genuinely given your life to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit has indwelt you. Uh, indwelling is a kind of a weird word, but it means the Spirit of God has come to live inside of you, and indwelling is permanent. So the Spirit of God lives inside of you, and one of the things the Spirit of God does when he indwells you is he gives you a manifestation of the Spirit, or, or, which is kind of like a weird word we don't use. It sounds like pretty crazy, but all that means is that God gives you a gift of the Spirit. And he gives you this gift for the common good. And as you, we've kind of studied this on Sunday morning, but what that means, as it goes kind of through the next few chapters in 1 Corinthians, is it lists out several of those gifts. And so every single one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, it means that you have a spiritual gift. Everybody in this room does if you're a follower of Jesus. And it goes off and lists what those are in 1 Corinthians. But one of those is the gift of teaching. Okay? So... There's a couple assumptions that we're going to make from this passage based on what comes after, and it's this. Because God has gifted us through his spirit the gift of teaching, he expects that to happen in the church, right? He's given us that gift, so teaching needs to happen, and the reason he's given us those gifts are for the common good or to build up the body of Christ. So we teach as we gather together because people have been gifted with that gift by the spirit of God, and, and the expectation there is for them to use it to build up, encourage other believers. So there's people in this room, maybe you who has a teach, uh, gift of teaching and God expects you to use it to build the body of Christ. The second assumption there that's important is teaching doesn't happen by yourself, right? That's why it's not just reading your Bible on your own, which is a good thing, right? You need to study your Bible, but there is this... Um, corporate aspect of this, communal aspect, where you need to be taught as well as studying on your own. 
So there's this expectation that we're going to do it together. And that's kind of this foundation that we need to set as we talk about teaching and preaching and why we do that as the church. Okay, it's to build up the body of Christ. God expects it to happen. He set it up this way. And even to kind of go into that a little bit more in detail, um, if you look at 1 Timothy or Titus, part of the characteristics of what an elder or pastor is supposed to look like, all of it has to do with character. Every single one of those like, qualifications to be a pastor and elder is all about their character, except one, and that's the gift of teaching. They have to be able to teach, communicate the word of God. They have to be able to defend right doctrine. And so that's the only skill a pastor and elder is required to have. And so there's this expectation for the church as a whole and its leadership that there's going to be teaching done of the word of God. Okay, that's kind of the foundation, to build up the body of Christ. Uh, the second reason we teach as we gather together is to equip the church. And this is, uh, if you've ever wondered, you know, on Sunday morning, why do we have to study the Word of God? Like, why can't it be a TED Talk? Come on, let's do like a five-minute, give me your most compelling argument. Let's study a Christian book. Uh, if you've ever wondered why it needs to be Scripture, th- this passage is a, is a big poll and reason why we study Scripture. So this is what it says, to equip the church, Second Timothy uh, 3, verses 30, uh, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So the most important thing here is, is the beginning. All of scripture is breathed out by God. So what it's saying here is that God has spoken, that he's revealed himself in the scriptures and all of it, every word, every verse, every book of the Bible is the very word of God. And if that's true, it means it's authoritative, that that it is, uh, we need to conform our lives to it because God has revealed himself and said what is true, what is holy, what is good. That he's breathed it out, he's spoken it, it is the word of God. If you look at 1 Peter, it says something uh, similar to this. It says the human authors were led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there were human authors that wrote down the Bible, but again, led by the Spirit of God. All of Scripture is the Word of God. And so that means, why do we study it? It's because it's God has revealed himself to us through it. And it says here that it's profitable. It's, it's good. It's good. And so... You guys might have heard this before, but when we talk about the Bible, the books of the Bible that we believe are actually the Word of God, and not just, there's other books that were written around the same time, but they're inconsistent, or they disagree with the rest of Scripture, um, or don't claim to be Scripture, we don't believe, they're not in the Bible, we don't believe they're the Word of God. Um, But the books that are, we call them biblical canon. Have you ever heard that before? Anybody? Okay. So, put that slide up. Uh, Canon means measuring rod. All right, a measuring rod. It's something that you use to see what is straight, what is true, what is holy. And so that's what scripture is for us. Because of who God is, he's revealed it to us. How, do we, how is it good? How do we know what is right, holy, and true for us? It's through scripture. That's why we teach it. Like I've moved a ton the last few years. And one of the things I hate the most is hanging things on the wall. Right, like my wife loves shelves, so every time we move, like I spend a week and a half hanging shelves, and it's awful because if you don't hang it perfectly level, you can tell right away. 
And it looks awful and it's terrible. What God's word is for us is a level. It's like a laser pointing saying, hey, this is what is true. This is what is good. This is what's holy. And we need that for our lives. If we don't have it, if it's just what our heart says is good, what our culture tells us, it's not going to be straight. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be level. It's not going to be holy. And so why we study the word of God particularly is because of what it is, that it's the word of God it's authoritative, and it's the measuring rod. It tells us what is true and holy. And so um, as you look, uh, if you can actually go back for a second here, as you look at that passage, verse 16, all of Scripture is, is profitable. It's, it's good for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man, man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's what it's used for. And so uh, let's, I'm, I made a list of these four things, teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. This is what God has intended the word of God to be used for, that when we gather together, this is what, why we teach it, this is why we go over it, because God knows that he has revealed himself, he has spoken for our good, and the good he intends to achieve is to teach reprove, correct, and train. And so let's just break down what these mean. Training is communicating who God is and what he's done. It's information, right? When you heard the gospel for the first time that Jesus has died for you, that's information, that's teaching. He's revealing to you what he has done for you and who you are and what you need. And, and it's, it's teaching, right? That's part of what, when we, when we gather together, we do. We need to learn about who God is and his character, Second thing is reproof, which is this, is, this is harsher. It's convicting against intentional sin and wrongdoing. Every single one of us, we make decisions and we say, I know God's word says this, but I, I don't think he really means that, or it doesn't matter that he means that, I'm going to do it anyway. All right, so I have four really young kids, uh, so all under five, and so my life is full of those craziness. My oldest, I, just to kind of give you some backstory, my wife's a home baker, and so I had six cakes in my freezer that my wife had just finished the night before. And my oldest decided when we weren't looking to take a bite out of the top of every single one of those cakes and then turn them around so you couldn't see that we bit it. That's, okay, that's intentional sin, right? She knew she was doing the wrong thing, but she really wanted that cake. Uh, and we do that all the time too. So part of what the word of God does is it reproves. That if you are at a church that you never feel convicted of, oh man, I can't keep doing this, you're probably not at a good church because the word of God needs to do that, convict us. Third is correction. This is lighter, but it's, it's, it's speaking against unintentional wrongdoings. Uh, you've probably read scripture before and been like, man, I didn't even know I was supposed to do that. All right? The word of God is correcting, saying, hey, don't do this. It's not good. It's not what's best for us. Be like if you just became a believer and you're dating someone who isn't pursuing Christ that isn't a believer and you're like, I didn't even know that I wasn't supposed to date somebody that isn't a believer. And realizing that for the first time and having to decide, will I obey God in this or not? And last, training. Training in righteousness. So God's not just correcting us and saying, hey, don't do this. It's, it's the other side of that coin. He says, this is what you must do. It, this is what I've created you for. This is what holiness looks like. This is what it looks like to be made in my image. If you want to know what it looks like to be a godly dad or, or a godly mom or a godly spouse or uh, 
look like Christ at the workplace, this is what you do, training in righteousness, okay? So the word of God is profitable because as we study it together, it produces these four things. And what you see at the end of verse 17 is that the goal of this is that every person, every man, every woman who is sitting under the teaching of God's word will be complete, What that means is growing in holiness, that at the end of your life, you will be like Jesus. And it says at the end, equip for every good work. So again, how do you, how are you equipped to share your faith? How are you equipped and how do you know what is right and what God expects for you and really hard decisions? It's through the word of God. And what Ephesians 2.10 says, and this is a really cool verse, it says that every single one of us as believers, before the foundation of the world, God has made good works for you to do. So before you existed, before the world existed, God said, hey, uh, Ben, this is what I've created you for. And it's different than what God created me for, that he gave you the personality you have, the natural gifting you have, the spiritual gifting you had, and said, I've made you for this purpose. And I've made you for these good works. But the problem is, if you're not in the word, if you're not sitting under biblical teaching, then you aren't equipped to do what God has called you to do. So he expects us to be studying personally, but in the church as the body of Christ, to be equipped to do what he's called us to do. It's it's really cool. Um, Second part of 2 Timothy here is chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. So it's the very next verse. Um, and it gets very specific here. This is a charge from Timothy, or a charge to Timothy from Paul. Timothy is a pastor, a really young pastor in the church in Ephesus. And this is what Paul charges Timothy with. He says, I charge you in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate them for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths as for you always be sober minded endure in suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry okay so some of this i know doesn't feel like it applies to you, right? He's, he's, it, it, it much clearer applies to pastors, elders, people who are overseeing shepherding in the church because he's charging this specifically to Timothy who is a pastor and elder. But I think this applies to us as well. And, and this is what I mean. What he does here is he says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. And, and then at the end of days, he's gonna judge the living and the dead. When his kingdom comes, when Jesus returns, he's going to judge us, and he's going to judge your ministry, Timothy. That's what he's saying here. And he says, because of that, preach the word. Teach people the Bible. Share the gospel. Be ready in season and out of season. All the time, be patient, even when people don't want to hear it. And he goes on and he says, there's a time that's coming, and it happened very shortly after this was written. Uh, There's a time that's coming that people will have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. And and even in that, even when people don't want to hear it, even if they like you or don't like you, you need to tell them what the word of God says. And that's very much the season our culture is in as well, right? Um, we, We go around and we say, does the Bible really say that? 
I mean, it's, I know it's pretty clear in the text, but it can't mean that. It's, it was written thousands of years ago, and so God can't really mean that. His word has changed, and what I say is good is really what God meant. And so we, we, we shift away from churches that are really teaching the Bible, and we find people that tell us what we want to believe and say that that's good as well. We do that with, with our sexuality, with, with a ton of things when we say, hey, I, I really want to live with my boyfriend or girlfriend, and I, I, I know that isn't really what God's word says, but I'm going to find people that tell me that's good. We do that with a ton of, of sexuality, a ton of that stuff. Or you could do it with politics. Our country's super divided, and we say, hey, uh, because I politically believe this, about immigration, about the poor, then that's what the Bible has to say as well. And we shift it and say, of course, this is what the Bible says. Or we do it on the other side and we say, hey, this is, this is what marriage looks like. This is what abortion is, is good or bad based on my political belief. And the people I listen to, the teachers I listen to, agree with my politics, and that's who I'm going to listen to instead of looking at the word of God. So this happens all the time. This isn't foreign to us. But what Timothy is getting charged with what churches are getting charged with is even when it costs you something, even when the culture says all of God's word is bad, are you going to teach what is true? And that's the charge for healthy churches, that their pastors and elders are looking over the scriptures, studying them, and not uh, trying to, to teach or preach their biases or what their culture wants them to say, but looking at what the authors meant to the original audience and saying, this is what the word of God says for us. And even though it's hard, even though it's not my desires, the desires of my heart, we need to be faithful to it. That's what it looks like to be healthy, and that's the teaching we need to be under. And he closes here, with this charge, again, of saying, as for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He's saying, this might be hard. You might, like, might want to get drunk some nights because it's not going to be great. Like, it's going to be hard because people are going to be mad at what you're teaching. You're going to suffer because of it, but instead share the gospel and fulfill what God has called you to do. And again, you might be like, Sean, like, how does this have anything to do with me? Like my title is not pastor, it's not elder. Uh, what does this mean? And the reality is, every single one of us, even if we don't have that title, has been called into ministry as believers. The reality is this. Uh, have you ever wondered, when you came to know Jesus, why he didn't just take you up to heaven? Like, uh, hey, you're good. Like, you're, if you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Like, if heaven is awesome, perfect relationship with God, no more pain, no more suffering. Like, why are you still here? What's the point? What is God doing? And the reason is God has a ministry, a mission for you as well. It's not for people who get paid by church specifically. It's for all of us. So this charge where he says fulfill your ministry is a charge for you as well where he says, hey, at the end of your life, you will stand before God and give account for whether you live for him and took advantage of the opportunities he gave you. Again, Ephesians 2.10, that he created for, uh, before the, the foundation of the world. That he said, hey, I, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to share the gospel with your neighbor. I've given you the parents that you have for a reason, the friends that you grew up with at high school that you work with right now. I have orchestrated that. Are you being faithful to what I've called you to? And are you teaching the word of God when I've given you an opportunity? 
And, and that brings us to our last point, which is to evangelize. And I, I think this is really where it plays out, this, this call for all of us to share and to teach. It comes from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says this, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. All right, what Jesus says here is uh, every single one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, one of your missions, one of the main reasons you aren't in heaven right now is because he's called you to go as you go, as you go to work, as you do whatever you do to share your faith. To, to, to tell people about what Jesus has done for them. That's, that's what you've been called to do. But here's the thing. That's teaching. That's giving people information about who Jesus is and what he's done for them. That, that's actually found in the Bible. You're teaching them what the Bible says. Romans 10 says, how can they believe unless somebody tells them through the word of God? That, that's what evangelism, you're teaching. And the second part of that is, is even crazier. It says teaching them. The second part of evangelism is discipleship. It says teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So guys, like that, as a pastor, that's not just my job. What your job is as a believer is to share your faith and then disciple those who come to know Jesus to follow him, teaching to obey all that Jesus commanded them. That's like, that's the Bible. What does it look like to live for Jesus? What does it look like to have... Um, Follow Jesus with your finances and how you spend money. What does it look like to follow Jesus in your dating, in your marriage, and whatever? That's as much on you as it is on me in some capacity to do with other people, to teach. So you've been called to that in the same way that I have. And Jesus says, hey, I've given you authority. I've called you to do this. This is your mission. And he says, I'm going to be with you as you do it. Again, the reality is this, Ephesians 2.10 that every single one of you, God has said, I've created good works for you for the foundation of the world. And how you're equipped for those good works, to share your faith, to lead people to Christ, to teach them to follow Jesus, is through the word of God. And so that's why we teach. You, you want to a- ask the question, how, uh, why do we read, why do we study, why do we teach and preach the word of God when we gather together? Uh, and you can put this last slide up. This is why we do it. Because like, uh, to build up the body of Christ, the reality is the foundation is we've been called to do it. Jesus has set it up this way. He says, you've been gifted to do it. There are people in the body of Christ who have this gift. They need to do it, and it will build you up. It will encourage you. Second part is to equip you. You are called to be on mission. You are called to live for Christ just as much as I am, just as much as Alex is, just as much as any other follower of Christ is. And he needs the word of God is a resource that the Holy Spirit uses to teach, to, to rebuke, to re- kind of reprove sin, to correct, and to train you to be more like Jesus. And lastly, to evangelize. Part of what you're being equipped to is to share your faith, to share the gospel, share the goodness of what Jesus has done for you, and then also teach and train disciples to tell them how Jesus has called you to live and to give them hope and holiness to be part of the body of Christ. Okay? These are the reasons. This is why we teach. This is why the body of Christ or the church looks like this and is supposed to study the word of God. So let me pray for us, and then I think uh, Alex is going to come, come up and get you guys in groups. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for everyone here. Um, I pray that you would use your word 
today to even to do these things. Um, I, I know that my heart sometimes needs a kick, that I can be apathetic, that I can be caught up in the busyness of life or numb to all the other things I need to do, to schoolwork, to my, to my phone, to, to every other app on there that I'm just like wasting time away. Um, but God, you have a purpose for our lives and you have made a way for us as the body of Christ to be equipped to do what you want us to do. And so I pray that you would use it, that you would use Sundays and next and everything like that to equip us and to put us on mission to be faithful, to share our faith and make disciples and to encourage one another as the body of Christ. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.